Hey there, we're so glad you tuned in today. We would love to hear how God is using this podcast to encourage you. You can do so by visiting our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. Amen. Thank you so much. Appreciate you guys so much for allowing my wife and I, Michelle. We have five beautiful children. Where are they at now? We don't know. But no, I'm just joking. They're home with my mother-in-law and, and attending church, our local church there, where God has repositioned us so that they can launch us out to do what God is calling us to do there in South Jersey near Philadelphia. And we're so excited, so thankful for them as well. Thank you so much, Pastor Tony and Alicia. We really appreciate you opening up your, your, your hearts and your, your arms to us, to your local church. Man, I'm telling you, where there is children's ministry, the kingdom of God is pressing forward. So we thank God for your life and your ministry. Can we hear for your leaders as well? Thank God for them. We do, and there's a picture of my, my family as well and how uh, you could connect with us, regenerateministry.com there, and there's a picture just so you know we're not joking around. We do have five kids, and we do love and appreciate them as well, and, and I also uh, have just, just, a, just a passion just to preach God's word and to share with all uh, who, who will hear and open up doors for that God has for us uh, as well, and Pastor Christian as well. I'm really good friends with him uh, when he was at his other stop there. You guys got an awesome, wonderful, wonderful pastor and pastor Christian as well. We do appreciate him and his lovely wife, Amanda. Uh, but when we travel around, there are some people that we meet that we never forget. And he was definitely one of them. We traveled all the way to Israel. They let us on the plane to go to Israel together. He almost got kicked out of the country. Come on, somebody. But we, we, are, we are good to go. Uh, it's good to know that, that they're Yankee fans as well. So we praise God for that as well. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But just thank you so much for allowing us to be here. Uh, we, we travel. We do uh, men's retreats, women's retreats. We do marriage conferences. I mean, God has truly just opened up the door for us to carry on his work for his glory. I want to share just very briefly tonight because if I go too long, you won't come back out tonight. So I'm just encouraging you, you don't want to miss tonight, tonight's service. We're believing God to touch hearts and lives. But if you're with us this morning, if this is your first time uh, with us, I want to apologize. Trust me, I'm not here next week. Your pastor will just take right over. So if there's any mistakes, he'll clean up in aisle five. No, I'm just joking. We're loving, loving being here today. But I want to bring you a message entitled Expectation and anticipation. I don't know if you're here, you're breathing in this room, but I believe by the time you walk out through that exit sign, your life is not going to be the same. Because when we come into the presence of God, how many know we're giving God every opportunity to transform us from the inside out? So whether you came into this building on accident whether someone invited you, whether you're like, I don't even know why I'm here. I just walked by and, and came in. I believe that God has given you a divine appointment with his son, Jesus Christ, and your life will never be the same again. I want to bring you a message entitled Expectation and Anticipation. I want to bring you into three references, all written by a guy by the name of Paul, who wrote, they believe, 13 books of the Bible. And this guy said he was the worst sinner of them all. If God can use of the worst sinner ever to write 13 books of the Bible, surely he can use us. Three of those books, the book of Ephesians, begins and it starts out this way. 
Paul is writing, every time I read the letters of Paul, it reminds me, and Pastor talked a little bit about circumstances. It reminds me of this, that our perspective of God needs to change. But I believe it happens when God moves. Paul says here, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives his name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints, watch this, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. I just want you to know that Jesus Christ loves you this morning. He says it this way, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, and Paul ends forever and ever, and he said, amen. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, another reference I want you in this room, if you're in this room, I don't know your favorite scripture verse, but you may want to add this one to the pile. Because Romans 8.28, you will need a Romans 8.28 in your life if you're breathing in this room. Here's what the Bible says. Here's what the promise says in Romans chapter 8. That regardless on what you're going through, God is working by his spirit. And Paul says this, and we know that in all things... God is working for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Watch this. For those God foreknew, he also predestined, watch this, what? To be conformed into his likeness. So in other words, God can use a terrible season in your life. Why? So that you and I can look more like his son Jesus. You never know what's in you until you're pressed. Jump over to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, Paul says another promise here. Sort of able, he says this, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, watch this, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I embrace every season in my life. Do you know why? Because I know if God is in it, we're all good. Mm-mm-mm-mm. I want to talk a message just very briefly about expectation and anticipation. Father, bless the preaching and teaching of your word. May the people of God be encouraged today as we declare your truth in Jesus' name. And everyone said, how many of you know that God has a clean track record? In other words, God always comes through for his people. He uses 66 books of the Bible to show you how great he is. And through the history of God and what God has done, who he is, and what he will continue to do, God will never drop the ball. So my concern tonight is whether or not God will come through. I'm not concerned about that. My greatest concern is that will we be there when he does come through. I want to look at this in just a moment because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6, it says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. I'm talking about a people, you and I, 
that say, God, I want to be in the perfect position to receive what I believed you for. How many of you know that when you live with expectation and anticipation, it has the power to save you from depression? Without it, it has the power to drive you into depression. Listen to what expectation is. Expectation is a strong belief that something is going to happen. This is why I come to church. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. It's not a matter of if it will happen. It's just a matter of God's timing. Here's why. Because when God is in the building, all hell is going to break loose. When God is in the building, I know that God is going to come through. So whether you're here and you're saying, God, I need a move of your spirit in my life, you're in the right place today. This is why I believe we ought to pray. Because I be, I'm telling you the truth. If I knew when something was going to happen, how it was going to happen, I wouldn't pray. I wouldn't call on the name of the Lord. But I pray and I press in because I know God is up to something. So you say, if, if expectation is a strong belief, how many of you know that you can have strong belief but still not do anything with that belief? Some of us have, man, we have great faith. James says, if you have faith without deeds, your faith is dead. So this is where anticipation comes in. Anticipation does what expectation can't, and expectation does what anticipation can't. Here's why. Because anticipation gets you into position what you've been expecting God to do. Uh, I don't know about you, but I have five kids. I told you I got five kids. And uh, um, how many of you have kids in this room? Huh? Raise your, okay, good, good, great. Um, when, when I have my first child, come on, somebody. You got that first child, you know, you, 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 you protect them. I mean, you know, things fall to the ground. You lick it yourself before you put it in your kid's mouth. We do crazy things like that. I remember, you know, when, when my wife was kind of, she was pregnant for the first time. I remember going to the doctor and I'm coming into the doctor, you know, because I'm every father, when you're having a kid, you're stressed out too. Come on, somebody. Because your wife is like, I don't know, I don't know. And you're trying to meet all her needs and be a good dad and, we're kind of going on this emotional roller coaster and meeting all those needs or whatever. So we're ready for our wives to go in. Come on, somebody. We get to about nine months, Tony, and we're, we're there. We're like, all right, honey, here, here, let's roll her in. And we're getting ready. I'm like, here it is. This is the moment. And the doctor said, it's not time yet. When that doctor rejects you, how many of you feel that rejection? Like, what do you mean it's not time yet? You, as a mom, maybe you think the child is never coming out, but I'm telling you, it will come out. So we, we go back and forth, I mean, three, four times to the hospital. I'm thinking, honey, what is wrong with you? Stop bringing us here if you're not, come on, if you're not ready. Well, anyway, by the fifth child, I could deliver that child myself. I told the doctor, I said, doctor, my wife is, we, we're, we're just about ready. My wife, I mean, she knew her body by that time. We're going to the quick check. She's a, the, her water broke, and we're in the quick check. She goes, I'm not going in yet. I go, yeah, honey, that's what I'm talking about. Anyway, it became kind of comedy. We said, honey, we probably need to go because, you know, we can't have it right here. So we get to the hospital, whatever, and by one of our kids or whatever, we, we, whatever they put us on a uh, uh, sort of like the JV team when they tell you to go into the hospital at 2 a.m. in the morning. That's, don't ever do that. That's the JV team. The doctor's at home sleeping, and what they're saying is they don't think your wife is going to have the baby until the morning. I got into the hospital. I said, JV team, listen up. 
My wife comes really fast. They go, oh yeah, we, yeah, they all say that. I go, okay, no problem. I fall asleep for about a few hours or whatever. My wife smacks my mother-in-law, thank God, smacks my mother-in-law and says, hey, it's time. They smack me. They said, it's time. I jump out and I go, oh my goodness, we're in the hospital. It's time. I said, come on, you send your mother-in-law out to do stuff like that. I said, mother-in-law, you got to get out. You got to go. She's trying to find a doctor. The doctor's at home sleeping. The, the, the backup team, the JV team, runs into the hospital bedroom looked at my wife and said, Michelle, you can't have the baby yet. I don't know about you, but I looked at my wife. I said, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. You're going to have this child. And my wife has apologized. I'm like, what are you apologizing for? Push, push, push. In other words, you can be in a place but still out of position. The doctor was in place. He was, he was late, but he found himself. I meet so many people that are in the wrong position but still could be in the right place. I remember back in 2001, it's a guy by the name of Derek Jeter. Don't know if you know him. Okay, good. We call him El Capitan. It was 2001. It was the ALDS, and this play is known as the flip play. If you don't know baseball, let me take you through it in about 30 seconds. Terrence Long, he's a guy that plays for the Oakland A's. We're, uh, we're down 2 nothing in the series, best out of five. We're, 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 I mean, we're playing in Oakland. Everybody said the Yankees are done. It's the top of the seventh inning. We're up one nothing. Derek G, uh, 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 Terrence Long is up at the plate. The Yankees are in the field. Terrence Long smacks the ball. Jeremy Giambi is on first, thank God. He's the slowest man in America. The ball goes to the wall. The guy by the name of Shane Spencer, I don't know where he's at right now, but he, he was okay. But after this play, I wanted to kill him. He picks up the ball, didn't watch where he was throwing it. He throws the ball as far as he can, goes off two of the people that were supposed to get this ball. Derek Jeter, though. Derek Jeter, in from his position, leaves his comfort zone. He sees the ball trickling along. Jeremy Giambi is running around third. Derek Jeter picks up the ball, flips it to Jorge Posada. Jeremy Giambi, for whatever reason, it was God. He did not slide. I don't know why to this day, but because he didn't slide, Jorge Posada got him on the back of the leg. I'm talking by inches. He was out. They came up to Derek Jeter afterwards. They said, Derek Jeter, how, how, how did you make that play? He said, well, I was in the right place at the right time. He said this, I was not supposed to throw it home, but I was in the right place at the right time. Oftentimes, you're worrying about what's next to do when you're not in position to do what God has called you to do now. God will never show you the next until you're in your now. Come on, somebody. Anticipation and expectation. Many believers look for the next best thing. But what about what God is doing now? Getting into the ready position saying, God, use me for your glory. Some of us even learned how to pray without faith. Some of us learned how to pray 
without expectation and anticipation. You know what I call that? I call it boring religion. Because in the book of Acts, I'm talking, man, they saw dead people come back to life again. The book of Acts, people were being healed by handkerchiefs. I know the new movement, like people want to be healed, but God's not doing that no more. He's doing something new. God wants to move by his spirit. But in Acts chapter 12, I met a church that learned, that knew how to pray, but they forgot to pray with anticipation this time. Let's see what happened. In Acts chapter 12, the Bible says the night before Herod, King Herod, was to put Peter to death. The Bible says that Peter was sleeping before the night he was going to die. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm Peter and I know I'm about to die the next day, ain't nobody got time for sleep. Come on, y'all. I'll be pacing like, oh, God, you gotta, God, where are you? Where's that church at? Oh, God, help me. God, help me. You got you to gotta rescue me. The Bible says that Peter was sleeping. I believe that's a word for somebody in this room. God is saying, go to sleep. He has everything under control. Oh, my God. Oh, that just set me free. The Bible says... The Bible says, here's the deal. He's, two soldiers stood by him. They guarded him by two chains, and sentries stood guard at them. Somebody say, Peter wasn't going nowhere that night. But verse number seven. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in a cell. He smacked Peter up. Well, struck him, smacked him, whatever. He struck Peter on the side of his head and woke him up. He said, quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrist all by itself. Watch what happens. The Bible says, then the angel said to him, put on your clothes, put on your sandals, get your Nikes on, put your flip-flops on. We got to go. The Bible says, as Peter did so, he said, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And the angel told him, Peter followed him out of the prison. My question is, what happened to the chains, the guards, and the sentries that stood guard at that entrance? God does not care about what you're into. God can pull you out of whatever you get into if it's his will. Now watch this. Watch this. I love this. They passed by the first and second guards, came to the iron gate. If I was the angel, I'd have smacked them too. But anyway, they came past the first and second guards, came out of the iron gate leading up to the city. It opened for them by it self and they went through it when they had walked the length of one street suddenly the angel left them i, I want to say this notice how chains fall before doors open oftentimes we miss that we want god god i want you to open up these doors god is saying i will open up the doors the moment some chains fall off i remember as i was in college or whatever you heard my story a little bit i was 19 years old when i got saved when I got saved, I didn't understand the power of sin in my life because I enjoyed it. Come on. I, didn't, I wasn't awakened to God or to Jesus, so I was literally dying in my sin. But when Jesus Christ came into my heart, the chains of pornography fell off my wrist. Why? Because God commissioned me to do great things for him. The chains fall, doors open. Love this. Story continues on. The Bible says that when then Peter, he knew where they were praying, so he went to the house. And the Bible says that a girl by the name of Rhoda came and 
came to open up the door. So Peter knocked on the door. Good. Peter knocks on the door. Girl Rhoda comes to the door. She's, oh my gosh, it's Peter. It's Peter. She forgot to open up the door. Time out. They were praying for Peter, and she didn't open the door for Peter. Oftentimes, we're praying. God says the answer is right there. All you got to do is open up the door. Bible says he'll open up the door if you knock. Bible says that she turned around. I love this. She went to the prayer group because they were praying for Peter. And they're like, hey, hey, Rhoda, hey, hey, God, you can stop praying because Peter is at the door. Stop praying. But they love praying, but maybe they forgot that God answers prayer because they sent them back out. It was like, girl, Rhoda, leave us alone. We're praying for Peter. You're out of your mind to just believe. Do you understand what Peter finds himself in? Do you understand that Peter's about to die? Listen, I know we're praying for him, but we don't really believe God's going to come through. So Peter, I love Peter. Peter's like, yo, somebody come to get me. So Peter's like, Rhoda, that, that's his ghost. You believe in a ghost and forgot the Holy Ghost? Huh? So Peter keeps knocking. Where, where I'm from, um, there is communication in knocks, okay? Um, so let me help you with this, okay? I'm from an area where you tell who's at the door by the way they knock, okay? Because oftentimes where I'm from, you should call before you come. But oftentimes some people don't follow that rule and they just come, praise God. And so they knock, okay? Here, here we go. So here's, here's a knock. Here's, I'm five years old. I had to learn knocks because of where I was from. Here's one knock. You don't open that door, that's the cops. Move back, right? Here's, stay with me. Come on, somebody, come on. If you, if you know what I'm talking, okay, three of you. Th okay, praise God, four of you. Wonderful. You're like, cops, I don't know deal with the cops. I'm saved now. I get it. I get it. I get it. Here's another, here, here's another knock. Here's another knock. Real quick. Hmm. That's somebody that's not supposed to be at the door, but trying to get in your door. You know who those were in my community? The Jehovah Witnesses. I'm five years old. Five years old. I didn't go to church, but mom knew who the Jehovah Witnesses were. So they would come every Saturday morning. I'm watching Jerry. Jerry come on, come on, Tom and Jerry. And the knock comes. My mom would go, get down. Shh. Shh. I'm five years old, hiding in my own apartment. I go, mom, who are Shh. They hear you. Mom, what's going on? Shh. I go, why are we hiding? They see you too. I never knew. This every Saturday morning, I had to hide in my own apartment. So you had to know who was at the door. Here's another knock. 
That, that's a friend. That's a family member. Come on in. You're ready. I don't know how Peter knocked. The Spirit of the Lord is saying in this room, I don't care how you knock. Just keep on knocking. You say, how do I get this in my life? Really quick, how do I get this in my life? I believe the first thing you got to do is this. You got to remember the size of your God. Watch what he says. He says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven on earth derives its name. Notice Paul's perspective. In other words, he said, my God is a big God. The Bible often talks a little bit about the characteristics or nature of God. And what it says is very simple. For example, Jehovah El, mean God, mighty. He's strong. He's prominent. What about El Shaddai? He's God Almighty. He's the mighty one of Jacob. Speaks of God's ultimate power over everything. Or what about Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. What about Jehovah Rapha, which means the Lord who heals? What about Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, my banner? What about Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, my peace? What about Jehovah Rohi? He's the Lord, my shepherd. What about Jehovah Elyon? He is the most high God. What about Jehovah Rohi, which simply means he's the God that sees me, sees me. In other words, as you walk with God, God will show you his nature as he brings you through some stuff to show you that he's a big God. Secondly, secondly, really quick, secondly, what happens when you find yourself in a season where you forget how big God is? I want to tell you this. Oftentimes, the enemy tries to block my vision, but he can't take away my memory. When I can't see up, I look back, and I remind myself, if God did it before, he can do it again. At the age of 19, I remember, it's right as I got saved, and my mom decided to have more kids. So there's like a 19, 20-year-old difference between my twin brother and sister, which is weird. That's a sermon in itself. My mom, I'm in college. She says, you know what? I'm going to have another one. I said, Mom, do you want me to move back in? Is everything okay? She has another one, but on this one, I get a call from the hospital. Now, mind you, I, I just recently started following Jesus, so I get the call from my stepdad, and he says, hey, you need to get to the hospital. Mom's not doing well. I remember getting to the hospital. By the time I'm on my way to the hospital, I'm just praying and asking God, oh, God, would you save mom? Because I was fearful I had to take, a, take, take care of those twins. Come on, somebody. When you're 19, I had a bunch of emotion going through my life, but I said, God, if, if this is not your will, God, your will be done. And I remember praising, not complaining, but praising all the way to the hospital, knowing that God was going to come through. And by the time I got to the hospital, mom already, they coded her. She was dead. She hemorrhaged twice. By the time I got to the hospital, my, if my mom was walking through, she'll tell you this. She was laying on her deathbed, and she said, all I remember was this. I prayed one simple prayer. She said, God, if you get me up off this bed, I'll serve you the rest of my life. She said the moment she said that, to the doctor's amazement, 
she came to begin to pull tubes out of her mouth. They were so shocked because they coded her already. I'm talking about a God that brought my mom back to life again. Don't tell me we don't serve an amazing God. So when the enemy, listen, new levels, new devils. Because when God is ready to move you into a new season, oftentimes he'll block. The enemy will try to block your vision. But all you got to do is look back and say, God, if you did it before, you'll do it again. Maybe as the team can come at this time. Thirdly, if we're going to begin to pray with expectation and anticipation, not only do you remember the size of your God, But you remember what God did in the past. But you got to remember that God is able. He's able. What do we mean when we say God is able? Simply what we mean is God is able to do exactly what he said he will do. When God says it, God will be faithful to his word. God will be faithful to what he says. God is not a God that he shall lie. God is not a God that he shall change his mind. But maybe if you're in this room and maybe God has promised things in your heart and you're like, oh God, God, you've laid promises in my heart, but they have not come through yet. Let me say this to you. Whatever you sow in prayer, whatever you sow in faith, do not dig up in doubt. But you say, God, if I pray this, you've laid it upon my heart, surely you will be a God that will come through. Why? Because we say that God is able. He'll make all grace abound to you so that in all times, in all things, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. It reminds me of the book of Hebrews. The Bible gives us a long list of people who had great faith and trusted God and who God came through for. I love down to the end of the Hebrew, book of Hebrews chapter 11. It says, it says that many of them did not receive what they had hoped for. Or what was promised I said well that's a bummer but the Bible goes on to say but they were looking forward to a city whose builder and architect is God there will be some things in your life that you'll never receive on this side but it doesn't mean that God made mistakes. It simply means that there are some things, as according to Scripture, are kept in heaven waiting for the day when we cross over. I'm here to tell you that God is able. Maybe you're in this season in your life and you're asking God to come through. I just want to remind you that you're not holding on to God. He has you in the palm of his hand. God knows exactly what he's doing and God will come about the greatest season if you don't give up. Would you pray with me all over this room?
if you're here today and you're in God's house and you're here today, you say, man, everything you're saying, Pastor, is awesome, but, but I don't have a relationship with Jesus today. If you want to begin this wonderful relationship with him, I want to pause. I won't embarrass you. I won't make it awkward for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just between you and Jesus. This just helps me to know who I ought to pray for. Today, if you say that's me, I want to begin my relationship with God by asking Jesus to come into my life. Today, if that's you, just slip up your hand and say, yes, that's me. Would you pray with me? Keep me in prayer. Yes, that's me. I want to begin this amazing relationship with him. I, I, I desire him in my heart and my life. For those of you in this place, if you need chains to be broken, if you need doors to be opened, we serve a God that is more than able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we can ever ask, think, or imagine. Would you stand with me all over this place? Come on, all over this place. Would you stand to your feet if you're able to? Jesus, 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 Jesus. I know in this wonderful church called Freedom Life, that this just represents the altar of God where an exchange can take place, where you and I can say, God, I'm not just satisfied with being here. God, I want to be in position to receive all that you have for me. Today, if you're in that place, say, God, I want all that you have for me. I encourage you, would you respond right at this altar, right here, and we'll close in that way, right at this altar. And all we're going to do is simply say, God, I'm here. God, I'm here. God, you see me. And I believe that God wants to come through when we respond in obedience to him. Come on, if you're here and you say, God, I just, I, I need God. I need God to come through. God, God is able. God is able. God is more than able to do exceedingly and abundantly, all above, above all. So we just come and we say, God, yes, Lord, I'm here. God, I'm anticipating a strong move of your spirit in my life. God, I need your wisdom. I need your word. God, I need you to take me from point A to point B. God, I don't want to lead myself, but I want to be led by you today if that's you today. Come on, let's believe God for just what he desires to do in our lives as the worship team can just play. Oh, can we just lift up our hands today and just say, God, I'm open. Come on, would you trust God today? Would you trust him today? Jesus. I want to be in position.